grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied abundantly unto you all through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. This is a holy night. It means pure. It means set apart. It's different from all other nights. And although what happened this evening some 2,000 years ago was anything but holy, talking about the denial, the betrayal, the arrests, and the mockery, it is a very special night for the followers of Jesus because of what Jesus gave to us. He gave us a meal. And this evening I want to talk to you about the importance of meals throughout the history of God's people. There are five different meals that define our relationship with God. The first, Adam and Eve, decided not to eat with God and sin entered the world. We read in Genesis chapter 1 that God made the earth and we get to enjoy it and manage it. And we could eat of every tree, every seed-bearing plant and every fruit-bearing tree. We were free to enjoy all that he had made with one small exception. We were not permitted to partake from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, they sinned against God. They took of that food which God had forbidden. They ate what they should not have eaten. They did what God had expressly told them not to do. And that was the first sin, the original sin. And the result, sin comes into human existence, separates us from God, from one another. The curses come. Everything's a mess. God could have looked at us and said, well, you don't want to eat with me? You don't want to obey me? You reap what you sow. Here's the consequences and then just leave it to us to destroy ourselves. Instead, God in his loving kindness said, I'm going to send a savior. The offspring of the woman is going to come and crush the devil's head and the right and right the wrong that was committed. God's going to become a human being and he's going to reconcile human beings to himself. I'm going to send Jesus to straighten out the mess that was made. And the second meal was the Passover, which God instituted for the people of Israel to free them from their slavery in Egypt, a foreshadow of the great deliverance from sin. Now, it required the sacrifice of an innocent lamb and its blood placed on the doorposts of the house so that the inhabitants would be protected again from the wrath of God's judgment. It was given in anticipation of the very Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, the offspring of the woman who would come and lay down his life 
as payment for the sins of the whole world. And the night before Jesus died, he celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples, but he said something different that forever changed that meal. He took the bread and said, take, eat, this is my body. He took the wine and said, take, drink, this is my blood. That was the third meal we now call the Last Supper. And right after that meal, Jesus gave his life for us, changing our relationship with God forever. The wrong that had been committed by Adam and Eve and ever since by our sinful tendency to forget that we have a creator and that we are under his authority, that sin and all subsequent sins that separate us from our Heavenly Father have been forgiven. Thank you again, Jesus. And those who trusted and those who believed in Jesus for their salvation they then began to eat together, never forgetting what he had done for them because he commanded them to do this in remembrance of him. And he promised them the forgiveness of their sins and the reassurance of their salvation. And they began to eat together. This is the fourth meal. We call that the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, Holy Eucharist. Paul addresses this in his letter to the Corinthians. And what he reminds his young church and us is that this meal is important. It's not optional. It's all about Jesus. So we come together this evening to remember that Jesus gave his life for us and we do that by sharing a meal together in Bible times it was a sign of acceptance and love to eat together tonight we come together at the invitation of Jesus himself it is his idea to invite his followers his family his friends to eat with him and remember the great things God is doing for them through his life, his death, and his resurrection. Jesus is the lamb that was slain, whose blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins and the protection from the wrath of the Almighty God. Now, family meals have always been so important in keeping family together. The Lord's Supper is no exception. Just like a family or an extended family comes together to celebrate and share a meal, the family is usually united because of their shared blood. In the church, it's different. We're united because of his shared blood and his body. It's all about Jesus. Now, you think about what got Adam and Eve into trouble. They ate what they were not supposed to. They disobeyed God. 
They thought it would bring them wisdom, but all it brought was shame and guilt and death. Now think about what gets us out of trouble. Eating what we're supposed to. Look at these words from the Gospel of John, chapter 6. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And then a little bit later, he says, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. A few verses later, for my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. In the Lord's Supper, Jesus gives us himself. We are to hunger and thirst for his righteousness. In other words, I can't live without it. I can't live without him. So what is the will of my heavenly Father? John 6, verse 40 that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. Luke 22, do this in remembrance of me. Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. Christ's flesh and blood for the life of the world Real food that gives real eternal life. I know it's a mystery. How can we eat Christ's body and blood when we eat the bread and wine? It is a mystery that we simply take at face value. These words are the words of a testament. And even an ordinary person's last will and testament may not be changed once the person has died. So we don't change the words to say what only our senses tell us. We look at the sacrament through the eyes of faith. And Paul says, 1 Corinthians 10, that the bread and wine we consume is a participation. It's a pretty strong word. In the body and blood of Christ. And then a chapter later he says, those who misuse the sacrament, sin not against bread and wine, but against Christ's body and blood. So what St. Paul is telling the church and telling us, let's not misuse or abuse this sacrament. It's not just a fellowship meal. It's not just an old tradition. It's not just a ritual. It's really all about Jesus and what he's done for us and continues to do for us. God has brought us back into fellowship with him and that is realized and acknowledged in this special meal. And God invites us into his presence, 
He accepts us because of Jesus. Now, Paul knows our tendency to get distracted, and so he says, let's get back to Jesus. And that's where he takes us, 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. He goes back to the Last Supper, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the covenant, the New Testament in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. When the church gets together, remembering that it's all about Jesus, that our sin and his body broken and his blood shed on the cross for us and our sin so that God's wrath would pass over us. That's what it's all about. And that's why we always quote those words when we have communion. It brings our focus right back to where it ought to be. And let a person examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. And our service is set up in such a way to remind you to examine yourself, right? Confession, absolution, and the message, which is law and gospel, we're bad, Jesus is good, we're a mess, he'll save us. That's the point. If you want some help from Martin Luther, he prepared simple question and answers to ask yourself to prepare yourself before you take the Lord's Supper. You'll find them in your catechism. So the reason we preach, the reason we call you to repentance, the reason we teach you the basics of the Christian faith, the catechism, before you partake of communion is because we want it to do you good and not harm. It's serious business. Jesus has said that there is a way for our sins to get dealt with. Don't question it. Don't make light of it. Just simply receive it. And so we judge ourselves and we examine ourselves and we repent of our sin and we give it to Jesus and his death covers our sin. First meal eaten by Adam and Eve in sin, in defiance of God. Second meal, the Passover, eaten in faith and in anticipation of the coming of the Lord Jesus, the Lamb of God, to shed his blood to take away our sin. Third meal, the Lord Jesus fulfilling the Passover at the Last Supper, instituting communion or the Lord's Supper for us. The fourth meal, the early church, 2,000 years now, all Christians, including us, partake of communion to receive the forgiveness of our sins, the assurance of our salvation, the unity that comes through Christ, which leads to the fifth meal. It's in the book of Revelations, the last book of the Bible. History begins 
with the meal eaten apart from God and it ends with a meal eaten in the very presence of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. And that meal is the wedding supper of the Lamb, Revelations 19. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bridegroom has made herself ready. That's you and me. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. And then the angel said to me, Write, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. Today we're going to take of the Lord's Supper, anticipating, expecting, longing for the fifth meal, where we all will sit down with Jesus in the kingdom and we have a feast. And Jesus said at the Last Supper, I tell you, I will not eat again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. The Father's kingdom, heaven. It's always spoken of like a party, a great party, good food, good friends, good wine, good laughter, all in the very presence of God. It's singing God's praises. It's about good times because there's no sin and no death and no curse, just joy. And God's already wiped every tear from our eye. Now we just enjoy and celebrate without sin without shame, without fear, without pain, without sorrow, and without sadness and sickness and without death. And he said, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. These are the true words of God. Notice, it's by invitation only. God is inviting all people to come on his terms, which are drop your idols off at the door. This is a family meal. God's family. Not some other so-called idol or so-called God. Yes, you can bring your sins. I'll take care of them. And believe in my son, the sin bearer, because he's your only sorrow. So, Remember this important meal. Every, every day you eat, when you say, come Lord Jesus, and you pray, come Lord Jesus, be our guest, and let these gifts to us be blessed, God will say to you, come, dear children, and be my guest, and let my peace in you now rest. Forgiven and free to live a life under the grace and love of God. Secure that he has everything under control. Secure knowing that the penalty of our sin has been paid for. At peace knowing that no matter what is going on in our life at the moment, our relationship with God is very good. Because what has separated us from God 
has been removed by Jesus Christ. That is the essence of the Lord's Supper that we celebrate tonight. Amen.